Key Aero, your aviation destination. Historic Aviation. Hello and welcome to the Flypass podcast. It's the third episode. I'm Hans from Key Aero here with Chris Clifford, editor of Flypass. Hi, Chris. Good morning. And uh, also here with Jamie Ewan, deputy editor of Flypast. Hello, Jamie. Good morning. How are we all? Yeah, okay. pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. No one phoned the Flypast office at the moment, obviously. There's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no one's going to answer. <laughs> the lights are off. Nobody's on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, let's go. Um, let's go straight in. All right. I'm interested at your answer to this. What is your favourite? Historic Aviation Museum. Chris Clifford. Cosford. There. Straight in. Boom. It's, I, wasn't, uh, it's, I, wasn't, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't. I'm not sure whether I was expecting that. I don't know what I was expecting, really. <laughs> well, but. it was actually the, the very first museum I visited, and I, it, I remember it distinctly. Um, it was my first unchaperoned tri- trip anywhere, um, you know, outside of my home city. Uh, and it was a coach trip to uh, Cosford Museum with a school friend of mine. And I would have been about maybe 13 and a half, 14, something like that. You know, no grandparents or, or parent about. Um, uh, so it te- seemed to take forever as coach trips do when you're that age. But we finally got there and I started seeing these uh, aeroplanes and these huge hangars. Didn't know what to expect, but um, we all sort of debussed. And then uh, as you go into Cosford now, the first hangar on the left, that was the main hangar back then. Uh, so we're talking about 1984, 85. And um, I remember walking in with my mate, Simon, and um, being faced by this enormous great thing, uh, which I very quickly found out was a Handley Page Hastings. And I've loved that thing ever since, you know, because it's got such a big raked angle on it when it's sitting on the deck and the nose is all the way up. And I just looked up and you know, saw those three little lights under there and took in all the details and I just fell in love with that thing and um, the whole museum uh, after that point um, was was wonderful and you know what I didn't realize that uh, three four years later um, I would be back there doing my RAF training in the hangar next door the engineering hangar um, learning about RAF weaponry and, uh, and all, all such things. So um, there's, there's one main reason why I like it as well is that uh, obviously um, being an RX armorer, I've always been fascinated by weaponry and they've got a really good collection of um, air launched and ground launched weapons, mm. uh, you know, World War II German stuff like that. Um, but I also really, really like test and experimental airplanes and they've got some absolute belters there. I mean, you've got the TSR2, of course, um, the Lightning P1 and that, monstrous great uh, Bristol 188 you know that silly looking thing with a oh, massive engine pencil St- yeah stainless steel <laughs> and it, it looks like something from Flash Gordon you know like a period um, sci-fi film um, but stuff like that just oh it has such an effect on me I absolutely love it and um, for that reason it, it's always been my favorite museum and I've been to a few since the other thing I really like is the, the Cold War uh, sort of um, enclosure there, for want of a better word, when you've got things like a lightning hanging from the ceiling and it's all quite, it's not claustrophobic, but it's all quite intimate and it just gives you that almost Cold War claustrophobia feel, I guess, but uh, mm-hmm. everything's quite close to you. But uh, it's magnificent and I, I haven't been in some time, but I'm itching to get back and every time I do, I just absolutely love it. It's You, you, you mentioned about the, the, the Cold War sort of... Uh 
hangar and uh, that sort of sanctuary, if you will, of Cold War, you know, it embodies everything about the Cold mm. War. But where else in the world can you see a Vulcan, Victor and Valiant sat together? It's the yeah, only yeah. place in the world that you can see that. It's quite uh, cool. I know that it? I realize there's a couple of collections that may have the noses and stuff, but that's the only place yep. that you can see all three aeroplanes together and what a place to see it in when you when you have stuff like you say like the lightning going vertically you know the sabers hunters javelins just uh, mm-hmm. just incredible it's boys own stuff isn't it oh yeah, yeah. and it's like it just embodies that often overlooked and forgotten period of you know world tension mm-hmm. um and i think it's even more relevant today with the the fact that the cold war is slowly starting to re-emerge mm-hmm. or facets of the cold war are starting to re-emerge at the minute with uh the, the these cat and mouse games that are being played by the the us as uh russia and whatnot mm-hmm. they're all drifting into a political podcast all of a sudden we'll move away from that side of things what about um what's your favorite museum for me it has to be the yorkshire Air museum at elvington just outside of york that was one of the when I I originally grew up in Scotland and when I first moved down into England, uh, it was one of the first museums I visited with my dad, and we lived maybe thirty thirty five minutes away from it. So most weekends when we didn't have anything to do, let's go to Elvington, and just to be immersed in the history of that place is just incredible. Um, it was the only place in the UK that the French Air Force flew their own heavy bomber squadrons from. So they had 346 Squadron and 347 Squadron on Hanley Page Halifaxes. And the airfield itself is just incredible. The museum is, I mean, I I think at last count it has 50-odd aeroplanes and 20-odd buildings. Um, Brimming, absolutely brimming full of history, uh, covering things from uh, like the Air Gunners Association to... uh, pioneers of flight um and as i said 50 odd aeroplanes but they span from i think it's george cayley's glider from 1853 all the way through to modern day stuff like your, your tornado gr4 it's just fantastic yeah it's got i haven't been there for, for for a while actually but it's a it's a very very cool uh very very cool place well, I, I've never actually been, and I'm itching to go. And I was planning a trip uh, this year, but then oh, uh, the C word hit, and um, yeah, we, we, I couldn't go. But as uh, soon as I'm able to, I do want to get up there, and uh, perhaps we can sort out a report for Flypast because I think it's about time. It, yeah, I mean, it, it, what it covers is there and fantastic. You've got um, there's a fantastic uh, exhibition relating to Barnes Wallace from his very early days up until it to the end, and mm. some of the things he worked on. And there's even bits of the R101 airship that he designed and built. Oh, that's interesting. Um, uh, the I mentioned the air gunners room, and that is one of the most fascinating parts of that museum. It's just everything about air gunners, and it just sort of takes you into what they suffered. And what fears they suffered fighting the way they did, um, but you also have like in the in the the big Canadian hangar as it is the the big black hangar there. They actually restore quite a lot of the aeroplanes as well in the working on them because a number of the aeroplanes like the Buccaneer, the Victor, um, they actually still run. So they're ground runners. You actually get to see aviation preservation in action. Mm-hmm. You know, you're there and there's chaps working. There's a, a meteor project that's been worked on there. And what they have taken, in essence, was a shell and returning it to its former glory is just incredible. And you can walk around and you'll be stood there for half an hour, 45 minutes, just watching what they're doing and just taking it all in. 
Yeah, it's nice when you can see uh, restoration in action. It's fascinating. It's, it's, and I mean, for you especially, Chris, being a, a sort of a Mirage fan, it is the only museum Ooh, yeah. outside of France that has a Mirage 4 on display. Yeah, that's the other and, reason why I want to go. <laughs> I'm desperate <laughs> to see that thing. That, I, I sort of popped up there not long after it arrived, and that thing just is a monster. It's an yeah. absolute behemoth. But yeah, the, I've, the story I've only seen how... one once before, and that was at um, Riyadh, I think, you know, down at uh, Fairford. Yeah, uh, yeah, when it one came in, and that's the only time. But I've been desperate to see another one ever since. So um, Elvington, it is. Chris, yeah, sure, it is, surely as well editor of Flypast, you can just say, "Look, guys, I'm not, I, I'm not going to be in today. I've got to just <laughs> go to Yorkshire for a bit." And turn up and say, "Don't you know who I am?" <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, just demand to be let in. Yeah, yeah sure. I think, I think you should, I, I have to say, I, I have a little bit of a, um, quite a lot of a fondness actually for the De Havilland Museum. Oh, that's uh, excellent. I think it's a really cool, really, really cool little place. It's a, you know, everything, the way everything is kind of configured, especially they've got this kind of new hangar there. You know, you can, yeah. you know, if you don't know that much about it, you can kind of go through and have a very clear sort of, you know, chronological yeah. look at from where they sort of started to where they kind of ended up. Um, and I really, really love that you can obviously get, you know, as loads of museums, you get really, really sort of, you know, close to close to stuff. And there's this guy there, um, Alistair Hodgson, who's one of the kind of, you know, curators there, or sort of that, you yeah. know, that takes people around. He just knows absolutely everything like, oh, yeah. about about every single thing about every single like De Havilland um, plane. He was, we're sort of standing there, right, uh, underneath the uh, like this mosquito prototype, right. And uh, he kind of like from his pocket, he sort of like produced this bolt, right? <laughs> and um, he goes, uh, he goes, look at this, right? I go, What's that? And he goes, well, this is this is a bolt from the mosquito, right? So this thing is about, it's probably about sort of five six inches long, you know, inch inch thick. I mean, this is a pretty sturdy bolt, right? I mean, if mm. you saw if you saw that in B and Q, you kind of like <laughs> you'd sort of think, oh, I'll get a couple of these that'll hold the shed together throughout yeah, the winter. Yeah, and he goes, right? He goes. Have a look at this, right? See, how many of these do you think hold the mosquito together? <laughs> and I, I was looking at and I was looking at and I was thinking, right, oh, you know, I'm obviously going to be wrong whatever I say, so I'm obviously going to look stupid. I'd accepted that quite early, so it was fine. And then I, I sort of like think, oh, I'll have a kind of conservative sort of guess. I look up at the mosquito. I mean, this is like it's a big thing, isn't it? The mosquito. It's yeah. what is it like, you know, oh, 55 yes. foot wingspan or something, you know, stupid. So I say, oh well, what a hundred. And he just sort of like laughed a little bit, not in a nice way, it has to be said. And he goes, "No, four, four of these bolts hold hold that together. It's all you glue." Just, <laughs> you just think, I mean, I'm not sure I would have, you know. Again, we're always talking, aren't we, about you know the, the amazing sort of like nerves of steel these people had. You imagine oh, sort of like you know going to you know I wouldn't have wanted to know that fact. Before I sort of, you know, went on a raid. <laughs> <Got in it. laughs> Can you imagine going down the Norwegian fjords at zero feet, smacking the hell out some German shipping and think, I wonder if this glue's any good, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've lost one of the bolts. Don't worry, guys. There's still another three. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a fine aeroplane. Really. But I, oh, no, I, I, I have visited the Havila Museum because uh, in my pre-fly past days, I was editor of Airfix Model World magazine. And we produced a special publication on modelling the spit for uh, the the mosquito with um you know it's a history as well, and it involved a trip down there. It's a smashing place, and what I really like is everybody's enthusiasm. They love it so much, and it really does come across when they take you around. It's a smashing place. 
Yeah, I also think that, you know, obviously it's been a really difficult year for, you know, all sorts of you know, sectors, but, you know, yeah. particularly museums. And I, I sort of think that, you know, like the Duxfords of this world, which, you know, Duxford is an amazing sort of place, mm. but I think they'll, they'll all be fine, won't they? I think some of the yeah. kind of the smaller ones, you know, you know, sort of struggle a bit. And I, I sort of think that, you know, when things do open up a little bit, places like that will really, really kind of need, you know, need people's support really yeah um, i think we need to get there as well because i think we've missed it i mean i, I know i have and uh, we were planning to look at the new um the new hangar at uh, de havilland for fly past for a, a report but again covid hit so it made life incredibly difficult but hopefully that's something we can get into sometime early next year exactly 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 now jamie Let's let's share an exciting uh, fact with uh, people who are listening. You're learning to fly. I am indeed. Yes. Or how, is it how very flypast? I would say it's definitely falling. There may be no snarl involved with me, though. <laughs> how long have you been doing that? Uh, so I officially took the plunge, sort of back in October time. No, it was a bit earlier than that. I'd sort of been, I'd bit of a backstory really i'd started attending well going up to lesser era club through a couple of friends we we know each other through air shows and events and whatnot and i i slowly got immersed into the the general aviation side of things um and from there i sort of sat there just fascinated listening to all these stories about flying and everything like that it's such a, a varied crowd of people and slowly just began to sort of think oh, this is what i want to do and started working my way towards my sort of goal of attaining my private pilot's license. I had flown a couple of times, well, a fair few times in my younger days. Um, but now it was sort of like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I'm in a position to do it. So, yeah. And I couldn't think of a better place to do it than Leicester Aero Club. Mm. And you were an air cadet, Jamie? I was an air cadet, yes. yeah. For, Did you from, get any flying in there in the ATC? Yeah, yeah. So I, I was in the days of the, um, just before the Vigilant was pulled out of service. Right. Um, and uh, I flew tutors and various air experience flights. So I got to experience gliding and aerobatics through that and then tagging along with friends and whatnot. So, it's a good introduction yes, to it. It is. And it's 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 something I've always wanted to do. And I'm, I'm now in a position to be going ahead and doing it. So Good for you. And, what are you what are you learning to fly in at the moment? Uh, at the minute I'm on a Cessna 150 which is a fantastic piece of kit. Uh, Cessnas that are I think the third most produced aeroplane in the world. Um and they are built for students like myself to kind of wang back on the deck if, uh, if you're a little <laughs> little bit heavy-handed. Mm. It'd be um, interesting to know just how many pilots have actually qualified in a Cessna 150. It must be thousands and thousands. The, the 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 brilliant thing about one of the aeroplanes that I'm, I'm currently flying on, um, Golf Bravo Hotel Echo November, uh, my flying instructor, Nick O'Brien, actually picked that aeroplane up from France from the factory and delivered it to Leicester Aero Club and You're it's kidding. still flying around today. So when um, was that? Uh, I think that was back in about 1975. Gosh. Um, he picked that up. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a fantastic piece of kit. Very, very forgiving. Uh, yesterday, we had a go at some stalling. And as, as most people know, a stall is never a good thing in an aeroplane. Um, but the Cessna was incredibly forgiving to sort of recover and show you what was what in a, a very basic academic stall. How did you actually find it, though, suddenly seeing the windscreen full of ground rather than sky? It's, it's not as bad as you would think, would you believe? It's, um, it's very docile. Um, the, the first time, you don't know what to expect, really. You, you kind of you see it in videos and stuff, but when you're 
sort of doing it yourself is suddenly just thinking all the stuff you've got to do. It's, you know, make sure you've got your carb heat back in, the throttle's fully forward, try not to introduce any roll element to it. If you're doing a stall, you, you are potentially going to flick it over into a spin, which you don't really want to be doing. It's basically just about recovery technique. Oh, we could fly past very own Chuck Yeager. <laughs> yes, beetling. I think yesterday we managed a ground speed of about 23 knots at one point. Go for it, Ace. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, no, it, it is fantastic. I would, I would easily say for anyone that wants to have a go at flying to go and do it. A lot of flying clubs will offer trial lessons and trial experiences. Go up and have a go. I think some people think it's a very boys' own type thing, and I mean, there's lots of females involved in it as well. But uh, you know, go and have a go, see what you think. And there, there is ways to pay for it. You know, you can do it on a pay-as-you-go basis. And the hardest, well, the most expensive thing is learning to fly. Once you've learned to fly, that's it. It's easy to do. And just keeping the currency, I guess, isn't it, every year? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, if, if, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it properly and make sure you can do it. Mm. Um, you know, the, the PPL course itself is 45 hours worth of instruction, 25 of which are with your instructor, and sort of 10 is supervised solo, plus sort of five hours of cross-country where you've got to um, – I think it's, if I remember rightly, it's a, a flight of more than 150 nautical miles or around that with two land away. So you've got to land, report to somebody so they know that you've got there safely and come back. Um before you do your skills test, but the instructors are fantastic. If you're unsure about something, you can go ahead and redo it. And it's just, it's perfect. Mm. So I'd, lo- I'd love to think I could do it, but I would struggle with the maths and the navigation side, to be honest. You know, I wouldn't be very confident with that. You know, I like going up and, um, you know, like when I'm up in a Spitfire with Parky, you know, I'm happy there being whizzed around the sky. But when it comes to me doing it myself, yeah, maybe not so much. <laughs> I-, I think in, in terms of uh, what's really cool for me being the uh, sort of, involved with fly pass as well is that leicester is the where the error club is is the former um uh, ref leicester east which used to have sterlings based there and it is brilliant to think that as i'm wanging down the runway in a in a cessna 150 and taking off into the air that sterlings once done that before mm. and uh when we yesterday we climbed up into the overhead to depart out south and uh, looking down on the airfield for just a second it was like you can still see the outline of the airfield so it's the history is embodied within the airfield um but it is fascinating one of the the, the, the one thing that i do find is that no matter how many times i've flown and what i'm flying and where i'm going there is always a moment of two or three seconds when you suddenly think this is the coolest thing ever yeah you know yeah we yeah. are flying we are we're up here and I'm sure it won't be long before you're doing cross countries up to Elvington Museum, then, will it? More than likely, that's <laughs> it. You know, it, it, when, it, I mean, that's the thing. When 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 do you get in a? When are you going to get in a Spitfire? I mean, this is the this is why you're really into this, isn't it, Jamie? Come on, it's a <laughs> Cessna. Mean, you, you know, you, you don't really care about the Cessna. Let's be honest. You want to get straight into the kind of historic stuff, surely. If it took me down that that sort of path, I would be more than happy to. <laughs> it would be it would be fantastic. You, know, um, never, you never know, another 15, 20 years' time, he might be the next uh, display pilot at Duxford or Sywell. Who knows? Could you, could you imagine coming yep. in from the left as an idiot? <laughs> we'll, still be, we'll still be doing this podcast then, by the way. <laughs> Episode oh, 57,000. Yeah, well, I'm definitely, yeah. I won't have any hair by then. So. <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, let's just chat a little bit. Um, you obviously come across lots of restorations. Mm. Uh, and mm. I th- I'm just interested to sort of hear um, ones that you that really really stick out to you 
Um, because the, the, these are, we talk about aviation heroes, don't we? But yeah. I think, you know, people who are sort of, you know, preserving, restoring, you know, some of these amazing aeroplanes are kind of like heroes as well to me. Oh, they're, they're heroes in a, in a different way. I mean, you know, if it weren't for them, we wouldn't be seeing these fantastic things preserved on the ground and, and flying in the air. Um, I think, oh, I mean, I've seen so many that I like, but you know, I'm a Spitfire fan, but I really love sea fires. I always found those that little bit more exotic. And with that in mind, I'd have to say that the um, the Seafire Mark III that turned up at Duxford uh, just some years ago, I think it was Doug Arnold's aeroplane, just blew me away. It really did. And I'd seen it in the aviation press beforehand. Uh, I think it possibly would have been in aeroplane or fly past, one of the two. And I thought, I have got to see me that aeroplane. So pitched up at uh, Flying Legends and there it was. And it was just a thing of beauty. It really was. Those lovely British Pacific fleet markings, you know, realizing that, you know, this thing would have landed on a, on a carrier possibly, uh, which is no mean feat in itself. Um, and it was just beautiful. It really was. Uh, and I think coming up a close second probably would be the Kennet Seafire 17. I mean, that thing's just a monster. It's wonderful. And uh, hopefully we'll see, well, hopefully we'll see both flying again in the near future. It's, uh, well, I remember seeing the, uh, the Seafire 3 operating out of Cosby out of a, a strip called Foxlands Farm mm-hmm. for the uh, victory show. And with the sun glinting off it, it was just the most perfect looking machine. Yeah, it's very In pretty. In formation with uh, ML-407, the Grey Spitfire, the, mm-hmm. the, almost the, the, the two most perfect Spitfires around. Yeah, it makes your heart skip a beat, doesn't it? It does indeed. It's, it's the kind of, um, I lo- just love with, with um, these kind of historic aircraft re- uh, restorations, just, it's the time, isn't it? Oh, you know, time boy, means yeah. nothing, uh, you know, to, to these people. They're just so into it. This can just be years and years of their yeah. lives, and that's absolutely fine. I'll yeah. tell you what a future one would be, and I, I hope they do it, and I'm probably sure they will, but just Jane at East Kirby. You, can you imagine, hopefully, if they get it airborne at the same time uh, as the BBMS Lancaster, if that's still flying? Can you imagine two flying in the UK just would be incredible? Yeah, that 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 would be that would be very very cool. I actually a few months ago I spoke to this very interesting guy. Um, it's something a bit different, but um, it's this guy in America, John Blanchett, his name is, and he had restored uh, a MiG seventeen. Right? It oh took yes, 15, I know which one. Fifteen years, right? Yeah. To do, to do. So I I, I, t- I talked to him on Zoom, right? Because he was looking to sell it. It was just an absolutely amazing story. It's such a laugh, right? This you know, this, this guy, you know, he'd spent you know. You know, like I say, 15 years, countless hours, right? It turns out it's the early 90s, it's something like 1993, and a mate of his had was over in Eastern Europe, and he and John had said to him, "Look, if you see anything cool, let me know." Right? <laughs> and um, th- th- that is so obviously pre-internet, you know. So it's just a very sort of loose arrangement. He gets a phone call at his house from this guy who's at uh, some Polish, uh, you know, Air Force base. Everything had opened up, so all this mm. stuff was kind of like accessible. This guy says, "Well, I'm standing in front of this in front of this thing. It's got a bit of a weird nose. Knowing <laughs> one, he's got he's got he hasn't got a smartphone. You can't send him a picture. So John just goes, yeah, just get that get that. Then that sounds good. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, this this sixteen thousand dollars, right? He pays this thing, this MiG seventeen, wow. which is an absolute state, gets put in." You know, packaged up. You know, goes up through sort of northern, you know, up through sort of Poland, you know, northern Europe. Ends up going on a boat over in like, you know, ends up in um, New York. 
he opens up these crates and it's an absolute, you know, shed. He's like his wife emptied 17 <laughs> gallons of rusty water from the cockpit, <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, he, um, so he starts just going, you know, working sort of a slowly, slowly but surely, you know, on this MiG-17. He, uh, he, he, was, he was flying this Polish engineer over to America and he'd stay in his house for like two weeks at a time. This guy, <laughs> he had like manuals, right? He had he like Polish manuals, he had Russian manuals. He even he even had a CIA manual on the MiG-17, <laughs> which John <laughs> had in his house. <laughs> and he just, you know, again, it's just bit by bit by bit, just plodding away. You know, he couldn't even, he had a, he had a hangar that was like about four hours from his house. So, you know, just, just going to sort of, you know, work on it for a day. That's an eight mile round, sorry, eight hour round trip before you've done anything um and uh, it's just the dedication of these people and then it kind of and then it when it eventually kind of gets into the air and it sort of flies up oshkosh and stuff every every year it's just three thousand dollars he was telling me to fill it up and that'll do about like maybe wow. sort of 700 miles something like that mm-hmm. yeah it's a cool airplane though the 17 i mean you're looking you know vietnam thing tussling with phantoms there it's um yeah that's a very cool machine yeah, it is. But it's just, you know, you see it all the time, don't you? It's just people who, you know, will just put, this is their kind of life's work, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We're oh, going to do it. it. And they do. And it's fun. And we're all better off for it, seeing these things. It's marvellous. Yeah. I, I, and, and it's just, they don't, he just didn't care about the, the money mm. or, you know, he did, he wasn't doing it to kind of, you know, make, you know, to make a profit or whatever yeah. and and i sort of asking him like you know do, you're not going to be sad to you know see this thing go and he's just like no it's sort of you know it's just needs another it mm. needs another home it's just i don't I'm know still quite staggered that he got his wife to empty out gallons of rusty water from the cockpit of a mix 17 i mean <laughs> I, I, know, I, can, I, I can confidently say that's something my wife would never do even if i had one <laughs> <laughs> no no she's saying no that's all yours then shut um, i must admit i have been very lucky to see a mix 17 fly uh, out at Oshkosh. Oh, you lucky and, uh, the so. One thing that sticks to me is it was sort of very, very dark. There was some uh, a storm moving through, and as the aeroplane shot past, it lit the afterburner, and the pop. There yeah. was just a pop, and that will live with me till the, for the rest of my days. Fantastic. Seeing a seventeen in the air is just incredible. Lovely. They've got John's one. He's got you know he's he sent me this cockpit footage of it, right? So he's got this um this like pilot that you know like flies it, and there's this little red button that starts sort of you know starts flashing you know now and again. I said to him, "What's what's that then?" And he goes, "That's the nine G button. Sorry, it's the nine G light that comes on." <laughs> oh dear, you need some tight trousers for that, don't you? Yeah, you, you certainly do. You, you must um, you must have some, um, some 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 ones that are currently being worked on that you, that are going to sort of see the uh, the pages of, of Flypast in uh, sometime next year. I would uh, I would imagine. We we I must admit with with my position in the mag, I have been really lucky to go see some incredible projects, um, and even more so to be trusted to to talk about and tell the story of those projects. But uh, one that we spoke about quite recently in the mag was a. It's not per, uh, a restoration per se, but more of a project. And it's a chap called Dave Littleton. And he is building a late model uh, B-17G cockpit in his garage. And it is just incredible. Along with his brother, they have pretty much built from the, I think it's bulkhead number three all the way forward. And this is an enclosed cockpit f- 
fully authentic flare guns, proper seats, all the instruments, everything. It is just incredible. Mm. Um, How big is his garage? Uh, it takes up Not the entire garage. <laughs> yeah, it's um, he, he's he, so he, darling. He, I've got some news about the garage. We're not going to be able to get the car in it anymore. It's I, I went. To, it's based down in Essex, or it was. He's, he's actually just moved recently. And um, when you walk into his garage, you are just met by this silver beast, if you will. Um, but all around the, the walls are all the spare parts. He's bits for his workshop and it is almost like a mini b17 museum yeah that's my kind of garage that is it's is he 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 pulled one box off a shell and opened it and it was just like this fabric covering and sort of looked at it and i said oh so so what's this dave and he pointed to a sign on it it was the heated cover for a northern bomb site and he'd been after one for years and years and years and found one on ebay Superb, but uh, it's an, an absolutely astounding project. He he got into B17s through his his dad John, who was one of the first crew chiefs on Sally B at Duxford, and he with his dad going up there, he sort of went up there with his brother Paul, and before long started doing stuff. And they were actually tasked with refitting Sally B with everything authentic they could find to try and make her a bit more combat ready, if you will. Um, for people to come in because she was a, an ex-French um, Institute Geographinal. Is that Chris is better at um, Geographique? Uh, I think it was. That's the one um, doing sort of survey and mapping flights. So she was an empty tube when she arrived, but they restored the inside of her, and from there it kind of went on to building a, a cockpit panel and a fire extinguisher panel to building this entire nose of a B seventeen. Mm. It's been um, a film his, star as well, hasn't it, Jamie? Uh, yes, and it has indeed. It was um, the cockpit was used in the making of Red Tails, mm-hmm. um, which Chris will probably tell me more. I think it was George Lucas, was it who done that? Oh gosh, no! I can, oh, he may have produced it. I can't remember. Uh, ironically, I did go to the, a gala screening of that at um, uh, the Grosvenor in London, and a few of the oh, stars. Oh, he drops were that on. in casually, doesn't he? <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, um, <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr. on stage helping to introduce it, but um, no, it was. Um, I, I do remember the scene where that B seventeen would have featured, but you know, who would have thought we'd be reporting on it all this time afterwards? It's, uh, well, Dave was actually, they, they sort of rang him up and said, we've heard you've got this B-17, you know, can we have a look at it? And they sent some chaps out. And then it was suddenly taken out to the Czech Republic to be used in the filming. And Dave saw so many parts to make that scene, all the scenes as authentic as possible. Mm. And he, he, I recall him telling me that they wanted to do a scene where an oxygen bottle was hit by enemy fire in the fuselage and exploded. And Dave was saying, well, not many B-17s carried them, if any, in the actual fuselage. So he scoured all his B-17 resources and all the people he knew, and they found an image of a B-17 with an oxygen bottle in the fuselage where the production team wanted it. And it's just stuff like that. He's the go-to B-17 man. Mm, it's a cool it's hobby a, if, you can, yeah. if you can make it work. There's some, it's there's some just great, a fascinating people. project. Uh, there's some people doing some very, very uh, cool things out there. Um, long may it continue. Well, look, guys, look, we're at the end of another episode. Just fly by. You know, now we've got it to go does. back to doing some proper work. <laughs> Unfortunately. That's <laughs> it. Fun, that's man. it. Press day looms. Um, yes look thank you um as ever for your time um and uh, yeah don't forget you can subscribe to the fly Bars podcast at key.aero or listen to us on spotify
This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember, visit www.key.aero for more of the same. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to catch up with you again soon.